Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. Why don't you give him some praise like it's the last time that you might have had that opportunity? Because we don't know that it wouldn't be. Yeah, why not just praise him? Why not just, hey, why not just run hell out of here? Amen. Don't let the devil get comfortable in your life. I'll tell you one thing that will run him out is giving praise to Jesus. Amen. It's just, I'm telling you right now, praise him and thank him. Hallelujah. The word of God this morning, Nehemiah chapter 3. The word of God says, Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set the doors of it, even under the tower of Meah, they sanctified under the tower of Hananiel. Now let's go to verse 32. And between the going of the corner under the sheep gate, repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. Pray with me. Father God, we love you so much, and I'm thankful for your word. I believe, God, that this is not only a soul-searching word, it's a life-changing word. I pray today, God, that we be able to build on your word. God, for those that are broken down, they may feel like, God, their life is in a shambles. They may feel like, God, that they've been under siege from the enemy. But today, God, we're going to go ahead and declare victory. We're going to go ahead and say we are champions through the cause of Christ and through the blood of Jesus Christ, through your blood. We're just going to trust you, Lord, to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could even ask or think. So today, Father, I ask that you would even enlarge, God, the capacity of our learning, the capacity, God, for you in our life, knowing that you must increase and we must decrease. So, God, today, less of us, more of you. And so, God, today, stretch us, stretch us in a way that we would receive this word, and God, that we would build back, fortify God, reconstruct, hallelujah, see the walls restored in our own life, in our marriages, in our relationships, and most of all, to you. I pray today, Holy Ghost, that you take names, that God, you will not allow, you will not allow for a soul to sit in complacency, including mine, that God, we would not be comfortable, but Father, that we would be steered right now. Come on, Holy Ghost, begin to steer us up and show us that you have equipped us for the call that is on our life and in our life for these last days. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, to- turn to somebody and say, what do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing? Real quick history, 586. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire swept through and demolished what would have been Solomon's temple. 
For all of those years, as much as 60 years, we would find that it would lay there. They would come in and take people captive. Just a real brief history lesson. They would come in and and they took those. That's where we see Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were of Israel. And they were taken as captives back to Babylon. And all of Israel here, right here around Jerusalem, all of this was just devastated, torn down. And then God called a man named Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel came back within a span that was to follow, and he rebuilt the temple. And today, if I could just assure you that when the enemy, or just to encourage you, that when the enemy comes in and he wants to tear down the things in your life, can I tell you, you've got to fight fire with fire. Hell's fire may be one thing, trying to burn it out of your life and to burn down the very gates and, listen, even the production in your life. But I declare today that we can fight fire with fire and Holy Ghost fire will trump the fires of hell. That listen, you need to understand today, and I do too, that listen, you may be one thing in the flesh, and you may say, he ain't much to look at. She don't look like she'll amount to anything. Can I tell you, God's looking at us from the inside out. God sees the heart. Hallelujah. God sees not just where I was, not just where I am, but he knows where I'm going. And guess what? We're on the same page. Praise be to God. I'm not going to let any devil in hell and I'm not going to let any people from hell try to tell me what my God can and can't do. My God is out of the box, on the throne, and still doing miracles. He's still parting the Red Sea. He's still taking people through the fire. He's still doing everything that that... He's still raising the dead. It takes people like Nehemiah That would come. And people like Ezra, where Zerubbabel was called decades before to rebuild the temple, a place for people to worship. This is what you and I need to know, is that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you don't need church like church is today in so many people's minds. You have a living God on the inside of you. That when you come up in a situation, listen, it's not just you that's going to fight the battle. It may be God says, stand still and watch me work. God may say, listen, you just (laughs) let me do what I'm aimed to do. And that way, the next time you come, they'll say, hey, that boy, that woman right there, hey, listen, they serve an almighty God, a God that's able to move mountains. (laughs) A God that's able to do once again exceedingly abundantly more than we could even ask or think. This is all about rebuilding. My mindset has been, and today, Kathy, if this was overshadowed, not just about this rebuilding, but it was overshadowed just in my mind about a God of redemption, about a God that wants to restore people today. And in the midst of so many things that you are seeing tore down, God wants to restore the church to its former glory. Not the glory that's behind fancy pulpits and stained glass windows and people that are set by appointments and not by the atonement. God wants to send His glory where His glory can rest. And when the glory of God rests on your life, people will know it. When the glory of God is operating in your life, people will see it. People will see it. Nehemiah had a huge task. And once again, as Ezra the priest was there to restore the people. Listen, it was Nehemiah that was doing a physical act, but it had spiritual significance. You see, the enemy is attacking the gates of your mind. Today, there's at least three that are intertwined. We talk about that. We talk about our senses. You have five senses. Some people would say that women have a sixth sense. I can believe that. I can believe an unction. 
how Amy can be in another room and then ask me what I'm doing and knowing what I'm doing. And that may be because she hears a bag of chips rattling. <laughs> My mama was that kind of way. How many of y'all know that mama's got four eyes, even if they ain't got glasses? They got eyes in the back of their head. God's got more eyes than your mama does. He knows what you've done. He knows what you're doing. And he knows what you're going to do with this message today. Huh? Turn to somebody and say, this message is for me. So you're going to rebuild. So see, this is the thing that when we get started, if you'll go back to chapter 2, where we got started last week, he begins to tell them, he exhorts the people, he begins to inspire them, he begins to tell them, even as we were singing the song, it'll be worth it, and it'll be, you know, he's worthy of it all, and I think about that, I, my mind begins to go to glory, and begin to go to heaven, man, in, in, in the future, and I know that, how many of you know heaven's living on the inside of you? Amen, because Jesus is, excuse me, heaven is person as much as it's place. And I began to think about that, and I thought one day after a while, after I've run my race, after I've finished my course, after I've kept the faith and the faith has kept me, one day if there'd be a crown that he'd want to place on my head, he won't even be worthy for me to do anything but to throw at his feet. I can't wait to get, mm, I can't wait to get so close. To, you better get out of my way. I'm telling you right now, people say, I can't wait to get, to get to the feet of Jesus. If we all go at the same time, you're going to have a problem. Because I'm telling you, can't nobody keep me from the king. Somebody said, I can't wait. Why don't you practice here? Why don't you declare over all over, all over hell and tell hell, you will not keep me from getting to the presence of my king. You will not keep me from getting to the feet of Jesus today. The word that when he says that, he said, I told them, I'm on verse 18 of chapter 2, I told them the hand of my God which is good upon me and also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. It's time that the church strengthened their hands, their heart, and their head. This threefold cord and the gates that the enemy right now is pummeling is sight, is sound, and speech. It is what you, listen, it is what you hear, it is what you see, and it is what you speak. Those are three things that must become one. Why? Because so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That when you begin to think you're nothing, you'll become nothing. But when you can begin to think that God is everything, you'll begin to see that He is everything. And that He will not be a corner or a piece of lack in your life. That if God said, I can have it, I believe I shall have it. If He told me I can have peace, then guess what? I can have peace. This is the issue to Today with much of the church is that we want to can do God but we don't want to will do life God is tied by promise and by covenant it's all throughout scripture we want a God that can do everything that can get us out of the fire that can take us through what we're going through and yet God is asking us will, will you do will you surrender your will to me when we become sanctified submissive and inspired by the Holy Ghost of God our flesh will be crucified hallelujah and we can walk in the victory that he intended for us to walk in but we want God to do it all We want God to do it all. <laughs> Somebody sent me a picture just recently. Just recently. Part of my message here is build the wall, dig the well. 
in order the weapons. That's part of my whole mindset here. We may get to some of that with you all. But the whole thing, he sent me a picture of a man leaning on a shovel, looking down at the ground and expecting somebody else to dig the well. I'm going to tell you this. The wells of praise from other people will dry up in these last days. You have to make the effort of digging your own well of praise. How many of you know that you bought by the blood of Jesus Christ? How many of you could praise Him? If Jesus never did another thing for you, how many of you could shout? How many of you could give Him praise for what He's done? The fact... Oh, I get excited, Lord, about other people hearing about them get saved last week for Beth, Riley Joe, for Kiston, for listening for the other Sabrina lately that have got saved. And, and, and Gabriella, all those that have gotten saved, I'm so thankful for them and the youngest that have got saved. And it truly encourages me. But can I tell you, I've got my own well of salvation. And I drink from that when hell attacks my mind. And if I forget somehow to leave off the helmet of salvation, that's where the enemy will hit. He wants your mind. And if he has your mind, he will have your mission. You need to hear me. Many great men and women of God that were once great worship and praise leaders, many great women of God and men of God that were once prayer warriors and authenticated through the power of the Holy Spirit working in their life through miracles and manifestations of His glory now are sitting on the sidelines because they let the enemy pummel their mind. 2.30 this morning, before I got out of bed, hell trying to tell me everything that it was going to do to me. Then when I rose, hallelujah, in my mind and in my heart, I declared when both of my feet hit the ground that this is the day the Lord has made and I'm going to praise Him and I'm not going to praise you. He wanted everything in, in my mind to become anxious. He wanted to think about everything that is coming. Can I tell you, God's coming and He's got to be going. When you begin to rebuild in the power of who He is, it will take more than a pastor's mortar and the church's bricks to restore you in such a way that you will be founded upon the rock. I'm talking about the rock, the very one that brought you out of the miry clay, set you on His rock, that chief cornerstone, not any just not just any stone, that one that everything that we know and we believe is built upon. Jesus Christ, that was a stumbling stone to so many, is now become head of the corner. He's everything to me. The church's problem today is this, is that I'll just, I'll just do a little bit. I'll just do a little bit. I don't know of any of you, if you've studied trajectory or anything else, but what I do know is this, is that a flinch of a rifle, that the flinch of a rifle here, what seems so minute, Dan, if I'm shooting 500 yards, it can be off that much. What you're finding and what you're seeing is this. What I want you to see is this. Is that you can be off this much. But if you, if I were to take a string and the longer that string went, if I was off that much here, by the time continuing, if it kept going, it would be off maybe a mile down the road. Wherever that it may be. What I'm telling you right now is that you can miss him by this much and, and miss heaven by a mile. Those gates. God used Nehemiah. God gave him favor. He was released by the king. He was actually considered to be the governor, if you will, of this area. And he comes. The Persian king gave him access to go. 
and to continue the work. I want you to know today that we have authorization from the king, and not the King James Version. We have authorization from the king today to do his work and to do and to believe that God is raising up a remnant and as hell tells you, I'm making, I'm, I'm pilfering, I'm, I'm, I'm pillaging everything that you are and everything that you're about. Today, you call me crazy, you call me whatever you want to call me. I call me saved. And I'll tell you this, I'm going to believe one more, Lord. One more. You give me one more day, let's believe for one more soul. There's some meat to this message. Stay with me. As he tells them that, you can see his heart as he begins to transfer his passion. And to do that, it would be silly to think that he came on his own and that he could rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. It would be silly to think that. So what did he have to do? He had to inspire the people. He had to let them know that this work was of God. And no quicker than people inspire you, the opposition of the enemy will come. You can read this here in this verse. And this is so powerful today. The word says, But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, verse 19 of chapter 2, the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? That's where I come up with simply this. What do you think you are doing? Can't you see that it is useless? Can't you see that it's not going to make a difference? Can't you see? No, I can't because I'm not looking at what you're looking at. I'm not looking at the culture. I'm looking at the kingdom. And you are too. You are too. And listen, you can expect the opposition. And as the enemy comes, Nehemiah didn't crawl back into a corner. He came miles, miles and miles to get to Jerusalem to see because of the report that he had been given that the walls were torn down, the gates laid in waste. And here he is. He comes. And the first thing, the enemy begins to, to give him that opposition. And you know what he says? He says, well, you're right. I'll just quit. If you don't care, give me a bus ticket and I'm going to go back. Like so many Christians today. Y'all pray for me. I don't want to be condemning. I really don't. But can I tell you, there's a fight worth fighting. And for those of you that are in it, don't you dare quit. You keep fighting. This is actually part two from last week. What do you think you're doing? As the enemy comes up to you, what do you think you're doing? When they laughed in the scorn, will you rebel even against the king? Then I answered them. Nehemiah answered them. And he said, I said unto them, look at verse 20. Of chapter 2. And you know what he said? He didn't say, I'm going home. I'm finishing. You're right. I shouldn't even have thought about this. He said, the God of heaven. Why? Because he's saving the same God that called him to do the work. He's not going to let up. The same God that saved you has called you. Listen, not just to save your soul, but to be productive in the soul. The soul saving of other people around you. And for you and I to be a witness unto them. Nehemiah does an amazing thing. This piece of scripture has really begun to, it's etched in my heart and in my mind that when he says the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we as servants will arise and build. Boy, what power. You keep on doing your smack talking, enemy. You keep on telling me everything I can't do. But listen, you didn't send me. God sent me. And it'll be God that prospers this work. It won't be by my hand. It'll be by God's hand. 
Just so you know, if you're going to have any dialogue with the enemy, you need to know who you stand for, and you need to know who's standing on the inside of you. And so when he says this, he makes it clear. I love this passage. He said, we his servants will arise and build. He says, that's what we're going to do. But here's what you need to know. You have no portion, you have no right, and you have no memorial is what it says in Jerusalem. Let's talk about that for just a moment. This is what is so powerful in your life and in my life. Number one, you have no portion. Listen, enemy, you have no part of me anymore. I've been paid for completely. How many of you know you're completely paid for? I'm going to stop right here and preach. I can't, I, I've been waiting to get this out because the Lord's been just crockpotting it in me, man, for a while. See, how many of you know that your sins are paid for? Well, give him some praise. Would you do that? Because we're going to do something. If you know your sins are paid for, are you 100% sure? If you are, shout hallelujah. There needs to be an action. It needs to be more than two hands coming together. You need to know that you know that you are bought. Why is that? We talked about it last week. Let your calling and election be made sure. What I know I'm saved. I don't think I'm saved. I don't even think I will be saved. I know I'm saved. Amen? I understand sanctification, okay? I understand the process. But when Jesus died on the cross and he said, I can, he did. And when I said he did and forgive me of all my sins, I was just as saved and as love then 30 some years ago 40 some years ago than I am right now well pastor I don't know about all that I'm going to work my way in really it's Jesus plus nothing guys I told you that offended me the first time I heard it until I really got to where it was at because if it's left up to me I'd be a failure every day I'd be lost saved lost saved I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ Mm, turn to somebody and say, are you debt free? Y'all be like, get out of my business. I don't want you to talk about my business. Or you work for the credit bureau. Who are you? Listen to me right now, Christian. You need to write this down. Because what happens, listen, we got all these people in the natural. They're telling you how you can have the snowball effect, how you can do this, and how you can be debt-free. And praise God if you are debt-free in the natural. But listen, being debt-free in the spiritual is more... This is critical to your life. And so when you live debt-free, that is every day walking in the precious promises of God understanding that, that I am debt-free. Satan comes to me and he said, Oh, Wayne Clemens, I remember what you did. I remember who you were. And guess what? I don't even got time to talk to him. Why? Because I know my sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. I know that God doesn't even have a memory of my sin anymore. Why? Because we have just, listened. I ain't got to wait. If I sin today, I don't have to wait till next year to ask for forgiveness. Do you know we have a mediator? Do you know... That as soon as I sin, I know it, and he'll forgive it if I say, forgive me. Praise be to God. Debt free. Do you know how many Christian people are not living debt free? Therefore, if the Son has made you free, you'll be free part of the time. You'll be free some of the time. 
How many of you know you'll be free all of the time? Do you understand? You need to get this in your head and in your heart that I am debt free. That way when hell comes and says you've done this, you've done that, but then you say Jesus did all of that. Debt free. Christians need to understand that. Debt free. Why? Because if you don't, you'll keep giving the enemy a right and a portion of your mind and of your life. Today, you listen to me, Christian. I don't care how long you're saying, I've been saved 30 years. I've been saved 40 years. Are you debt free? Listen, your sins are paid for. It's done. It's over. It's finished. That's the reason he said on the cross at Calvary, it is finished. He didn't say there'll be a part two. He didn't say that. He said, I'm taking care. It's finished. It's over. It's done. So when Satan comes at you and says, you still owe, you say, huh, listen, you better check the book again because it is paid in full. It's finished. It's over. You have no right. You have no portion of my life. Everything from the top of my head to the soles of my feet to the tips of my toes, Amy. I'm saved. I'm debt free. I was a Christian and lived bankrupt for years until I went to revival in Brownsville. I was preaching the gospel. Giving out the word, not such as I have, I give you. I was preaching the best I knew how, and I cannot tell you still, still shackled with guilt and shame. And I remember walking that aisle that night somewhere around 11.30 or 12. I don't know, man, that revival was crazy. And I watched as people ushered out of their pews. They weren't scared. They weren't concerned about what other people thought. He asked for preachers to come forth first that were carrying shame, guilt, or sin in their life. You know what? I said, they're my family. I don't want them. But guess what I did? I put these little number, these number 12s. They hit the aisle. And I got down there. And when I broke at that altar, I left something there that I've never picked back up again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about being free. I'm talking about declaring it every day of your life. Hell comes and says, no, you're forgetting. I laid that. I ain't even talking to you. And I watched that night as other preachers, I'm supposing, came and went to that altar. I watched as witches and warlocks were in the crowd. I watched as those that gazed into crystal balls and followed Ouija boards and, and had necromancy within their hearts speaking to the dead. We've seen all those people that were there to laugh and to scorn and hell's magicians even there in the place. And I watched the Holy Ghost of God begin to break down and tear down every demonic spirit in that place. And I watched those witches get saved. And I watched those warlocks come to God. You may be in this place and thinking I'm going to cast a spell can I tell you in the name of Jesus you have no power you have no authority over the right you have no portion or place in this house come on somebody it's when you say I'm debt free why because it's when hell says you owe me something I don't owe hell anything at all because Jesus gave it all to me I need to hammer this home because when you come to the place, you have no portion. You have no right. You have no memorial. Three things here. The portion. Listen, if Satan has some of you, he's getting ready to get all of you. Satan spreads leaven in the church just like he does in the world. Did you hear what the song said? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? Isn't it amazing how the word gossip is gossip? Snake. Isn't it amazing? But you have to declare you have no portion. You have no part in my life anymore. 
in the name of Jesus, every demonic curse has been broken off, not just me, but off of my wife, off of my family, off of my kids, and off of my grandkids in Jesus' name. I'm not giving you the right to curse me or to curse my kids anymore. When you get to that place in your life, where does that begin? It begins right here in your mind when you begin to rebuild. I can't tell you the times that Satan has tried to pummel and do that. Those gates that he hits. And he's making mincemeat out of people's minds. You need to declare you have no portion. You have no part of me. If you are living in sin, he has a part of your life. I like Jake. I think you're the one that brought this out. You asked her somebody years ago. It's borrowed, but man, it's powerful. It's powerful. said, you can't shack up with Satan and expect for God to pay the rent. That's as true a statement as I've ever heard. You can't expect to sleep with the devil and wake up with Jesus every morning. Uh-oh. 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 Y'all knew it was coming. I ain't going to leave you. Huh? You can't do that. You can't mix the holy and the profane. That leaven will creep into your life. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. No portion, no right. Today, when everything is about rights, my rights, your rights, where's God's rights? Huh? Right now, one of the biggest battles brewing is the Supreme Court over the Supreme Court. And then... By the way, can I tell you something? If you're here today, and I always, I know many times we speak about, about abortion and about being against of abortion and the killing of babies in the womb, and many times we talk about that, and it went into such a great travesty, and it's such a great thing. Can I tell you today that if you're here and you're one of those people, misguided, misled, or whatever, whether you're on the husband's side, or excuse me, the father's side of it or the mother's side of it, I need to tell you, That God is not out to kill you. He loves you and he wants to restore your heart. And I need to tell you today, as much as saving that baby in the womb, he wants to save your mind today. I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to leave that out. Because if God could restore me, then he can restore you. If not, the word of God is not true. That he is not a respecter of persons. He cannot be. So in this, when we say you have no right, excuse me, no portion, no right, that when we give that, he has no right unless you give him access. You've heard me say this lately. What you allow or what you give access to, you are also allowing. Okay? That when you do that, and that is permissive. That when you move over to a permissive will, what you permit and what you allow, then you are giving the enemy legal access into your life. And when you do that, that when you go outside of the Word of God, that when you begin to follow in yourself and it feels good, it it looks good, it's all this good. Can I tell you, when you begin to do that, you're stepping out of the Word. And you're stepping out of alignment with God. So don't come and don't say, well, hell, can I tell you, no, you allowed it. That preacher act like, I know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all been there, done that, got the shirt? And when you do that, there's God that's long-suffering. And you come back to Him and you say, you know what, Lord? I blew it. Holy Ghost said, hmm, I don't know if I understand that. All right, Holy Ghost, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I've sinned against the Father. And He said, ah, that's what I understand. Now I can forgive you. 
So he tells Sanballat, Nehemiah says this, he declares it, and you have no memorial. You know what he's saying? You have no heritage, Rick. He said, you have none of that. It's like this when you talk about a memorial. He said, you have nothing. Listen, it doesn't mean anything to you. And what he's saying, your gods, you don't even understand our God. That's the reason, understand outside here, people don't understand the God you're serving. So instead of condemning them, instead of beating them down, listen, let's don't, that, ain't, that ain't what it's about, man. This is about trying to explain what salvation is to other people. And to get them to come over to the winning side. I said all that to say this. What do you think you're doing? You've got to address the opposition. How do we do that? The Word of God says in Ephesians 4, 27 and 28, Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. Remember, hands. Hands to that thing which is good that may have to give to him that needs. You need to write this down because this is as true as it can be. Give no place to the devil. You've heard it. You've heard messages after messages. I'm talking about the first place is debt free. Debt free. Give him no place. Make your calling and election sure. Know that you are saved beyond the shadow of a doubt. Now, this is what I find. That most Christians are not just, they don't understand being debt free. (laughs) Turn to somebody and say, you're debt free, but are you doubt free? Mm. This is where things begin to change. Because in Christians' lives, I don't know, I just use my own self. I'm like, boy, Lord, it's a big one right here. It's a big one. And what I begin to do is say this, Lord, I don't know that you can. And I'm much like the man that had the, had the son. And I said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And it's surrendering to that point and getting to the place to where you can live a doubt-free life. And this is the doubt-free part. You say, well, does that mean is God going to do what he said he would do? Listen, here's what we have to find more than, than just solace, more than just the peace and the comfort. Is that regardless of how things turn out, if we can surrender to God, you know what's best for me. And that is big. That is your first step and first foundational peace to living a doubt-free life. That God, I don't know whether you can or not, but what it is is I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And that is huge. This is where it would be today and today if I were to ask you to come up and stand on this bottom step and if I were to ask you to step down. But the thing is, we say, I got faith. I got faith that I can step down. But the higher that it is and the higher, if you will, that it becomes and the more consequential or the more, uh, more that it packs within it, that listen, that's where our doubt begins to rise, but that's where your faith needs to rise higher. And it is trusting more in what you don't see than in what you do see. So, it is not giving the devil a place in our life. Now, chapter 3. Where do I start? It begins, when they do this, there's at least, there's 10 gates. There would be 12, and, and, and now in Jerusalem, it's, it's, it's amazing when you begin to study the history of it. 12 originally, that when you talk about that, and actually two more mentioned later on in Nehemiah. But here we're talking of 10. You go from like the... 
in this very gate here that you go from the sheep gate, the fish gate, you go all the way down through the valley gate, dung gate, come all the way around, horse gate, all of these. There's ten gates, and all of them have significance in our life that we may teach out later on. But here's the point. It begins with the sheep gate. What is the sheep gate? The Word of God said that they used Eliashib. That's the reason I think the God of restoration, that word there, this priest that was put in place is God restores. The enemy wants to try to keep you from building back. You may be here today and your marriage is a mess. You may be here today and your mind is a mess. I need to tell you that God can restore. I declare today that I am living proof that God can restore and that He's more than able. To do that. He sets that priest. And find these people in your life that are not against you. Find those people when you're battling in your life that are not the ones that say it ain't worth trying. Forget it. Find those people in your life that encourage you to build back. You're going to find out through the book of Nehemiah that not only will Sanballat and the others completely be there. They're going to be there. There's a whole list of things. They'll do it through treachery. They'll use it through trying to get you to fight within even the group. They do that. They'll lie against you. All of these things can happen. But you're building back. You'll find out in chapter 4. Stay with me. and Just, just tag us in here. You'll find out in chapter 4 that as they begin to build back, the Sanballat and them came again. And they told them, they said, listen, you can't even get down to the foundational level. There's too much debris. There's too much. They called it rubbish. It's the dust. All of those things were the walls that come down years ago. You can't even get that out of your life. Nehemiah addressed it. He said, before we build back, You've got to get the garbage out of your life. Because if you build on garbage, it will not stand. That's the reason we must build on the Word of God. That when people come into my life and they say, I've got a word for you, and I'm going to encourage you the same way that when people come and say, I have a word for you, that don't mean I'm going to receive it. I've got to tell you that. It's got, to line up with, it's got to line up with the Word, and it's got to line up with the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. So as we are building back, as we're seeing this, and you can see all of these things, it's removing the garbage out of your life. The, the enemy will continue to bring opposition. But listen, when it begins at the Sheep Gate, this was the very first place that Elisha, him and the other priest, they came there and they restored that. The Sheep Gate, go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 5, please. John chapter 5. This is somewhere around 450. 436, here that we're talking about, somewhere in there, we'll just say that, okay? Somewhere in that range, B.C. And you look at that, the first place that they do, and the first place that they build is the sheep gate. This sheep gate was the one where they brought in, of course, the sheep for sacrifice. Remember, the temple has already been built. Zerubbabel has built that back. Now we're building the walls and we're fixing the gates. And the first place that we have to do or fix is that sheep gate. This is what is so important in our life. This sheep gate is the place where Jesus even said in John chapter 10 that he was the door. He that comes to me, you're going to go in and out and you're going to find pasture. He said, I'm the door. When he says that, he said, listen, you can't come up any other way. He said, there's going to be other things. They're going to try to get, I'm the only way. And this is what is so important in our life. But when you restore this, what am I talking about? Everything that comes into my life. I, I'm going to share something. This, this is here a while back. Air conditioner, quit cooling. Oh, i got to call me an air conditioner specialist. 
Then I had this bright idea. Check the filter. Wow. So I went and checked the filter. And when I checked the filter, I remembered why I hadn't remembered before. It had been like a year. And that old filter was full of dust. It was full of everything. It was all sucked in. And the thing is, nothing could move through that anymore. This is the reason I'm saying restore this gate first. Let everything that comes through your life be filtered through Jesus. Let everything that comes in and out of your life be filtered through Jesus. Well, they said it. That don't mean I believe it. The thing is letting every bit of that be filtered through Him. In that very place, they restored it and they put it there. And if you read all the way around to the last verse, you're going to see that it ended with the sheep gate. I'm so thankful for that, that my beginning was with Jesus and my end will be with Jesus. And as they restore all of these gates, this is the one that is so important because of the blood. Now, fast forward 400 and some years. Here's this Jesus. Here he is and he's coming to this pool here. In John chapter 5, the Word of God says... And there was this feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, this very place, the same place that Nehemiah had impressed the priest to rebuild, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Stay right here with me for just a moment. I love to study words. Many of you have studied the word Bethesda just like you did Bethlehem. You know that Beth is the word house. But here, Bethesda, that when you put those together, that means mercy. It means grace. That when he come to this place, this is where the same place where they would bring the sheep in to sacrifice. Many of the commentators even said this. This would be where they would wash the sheep, prepare the sheep for the sacrifice. All of this happening right here. Isn't it awesome how the Lamb of God comes to this place? How He comes right here and look what He finds. It was in this place. The Word of God says, In this place lay a multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And you all know this piece of Scripture. I could equate this to the church today. When it says impotent, it means those that are basically this, that it means that there's no power, that they would be almost like being crippled. And can I tell you today, crippledness and and being crippled is not just something that can be lame on your feet. It can be lame in your mind. That's what hell wants to impair is your mind. So here's Jesus, the Lamb of God. Coming to Bethesda, this house of mercy. A word for the church today is this. This is the way that we need to be. Is that today I know that a lot of people walked in and I don't know your personal life. But I know for many, no doubt today that there's many of you that have been crippled in your mind. He still restores minds. He's still setting people free. And the word of God says is they're all there waiting. They're all there waiting for the moving of the water. And you know the story how the man is there. And he says, why can't you? He's been laying there for all these years, for decades. He's been laying there and he's waiting for the water to move one more time. And then Jesus shows up. 
And this is what I'm so thankful for, is that the time in my life when I felt blind, when I felt crippled in my mind, when I felt like I couldn't go on, there's a Jesus that showed up. It was going to take more than a religious church service. It was going to take Jesus coming into the midst and telling me that I don't have to be like that anymore. How many of you today really want to be whole? You see, we can get to that place today. And I don't have to wait on the praise team. I don't have to even wait on the preacher. I don't have to wait for the moving of that water. I'm just saying, God, steer the water one more time and steer the soul of the people that everyone that needs Him can come to Him. That's restoring the church to its former glory, to a place that when Jesus passes by, that when He comes into the very services that we're in, that people are changed in an instant, that people are changed. They go from darkness to light, from hell to heaven, from sinner to saved. It's getting to that place. Sanballat wasn't there 400 and some years later. But religion was. And religion said, what do you think you're doing? What do you, what do you think you're doing? You can't do that today. How does hell work in your mind? Not today. Not today. Put it off till next week. Christian, not, not today. You can pack that sin. You, you can pack that thought. You can pack that act. You can pack that another week. Only to find that you won't only be packing that one next Sunday, but you'll be packing another one that Satan places on your back. If you want to be debt free, you've got to stay free. You've got to unpack and you've got to crucify your life. Listen, we have to do this every day. Every day. The church has got to get back to the place of its former glory. Where Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. The sheep gate, getting ready to close the sheep gate. If you were to go around, if I could do this today with you, if I could do this, it would start in the northernmost corner. Remember that Jerusalem was a city that was set upon a hill. That's the reason as he spoke that it was, listen, it was strategic. You need to be strategic. When I'm saying that, you, yourself, you are a city set upon a hill. Okay? Then when we read the Beatitudes and he said, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. And when he's saying all these things, there's direct implication to that city. That's the reason that those people that were coming home, the reason that Jerusalem meant so much is they could see the lights, Larry, of that city far away, miles and miles and miles away. They could see that city that was set upon the hill. That's what the church needs to be. What do I do when I'm away from God? What do I do when I, my mind is crippled? What do I do? The church needs to be a healing place, not a hurting place. The church needs to understand that we are much a hospital still yet and that we are much a mobile mass unit that leaves here and goes out to the highways and the hedges and we take the bomb of Gilead and the blood of Jesus and we heal people on the streets. <laughs> Such as I have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Not just in here, but out there. The city sit on a hill. Fish gate. 
excuse me, Sheep Gate, Fish Gate, Water Gate, Dung Gate, all of these, Valley Gate, they would come down by the Valley of Hinnom, all of these things, Horse Gate, all of these would come up, and they would do the Righteous Gate, all of these would come, and it would be in somewhat of an oval till they got all the way back around. And today, this is where we need to start, church. Is to understand this, is that it was surrounded geographically. It was so strategic when I said that, that the thing is that to the south was the Hinnom Valley, or was the valley, Hinnom Valley, that valley of Gehenna that they talk about. And it was, it was low, if you will. It was high on three sides the city was. And the most vulnerable part was the northernmost part. That's the reason they said when you read biblically and you study eschatology and end time prophecy, it talks about the enemy coming from the north. That's where the sheep gate was. If the enemy's going to get into you, where does he get into? This north gate. That's the reason today that I told you, that I encouraged you to live debt free and to live doubt free but to secure that gate because that's where we're most vulnerable. I can tell you today, separate yourself. Separate yourself. Now, when I'm telling you that, how can I separate you? just telling me to go out into the world. Yes, I'm telling you to reach the world, but I'm not telling you to become part of the world. Okay? I'm encouraging you. You don't have to do that. If some, I'm not even going to get into detail. Explain yourself. Today, what's the first step? I'm going to start at the sheep gate. You're here today. How many of you right now feel like you've been going through it, that you really need the Lord to help you? Would you lift your hand unashamedly? Would you please lift your hand? I'm going through it. Raise your hand. Please don't be afraid. I promise you, I love you. I promise you, I love you. Watch this. How many of you Christians have been through some hard stuff before? Would you raise your hands? Look around you. I'm speaking to you today. If you're here and hell tells you you don't matter. I'm not going to start you out with a little gospelette. I'm not going to start you. I'm going to start you out at the sheep gate. I'm going to start you out with Jesus. Because I can't end you with Jesus if I don't get you started with Jesus. Come unto the one that is able to forgive you of all that you've ever done. Christians today for you. For you. You got the debt-free part now, but you're anxious of not just about a few things, but about almost everything. Worry is a sin. Today, I don't want to just be debt-free. I want to be doubt-free. Don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, but you're going to do it. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.